Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive. How are we doing? My kids are all at PK retreat except for Glory, so they're enjoying that this weekend. So if you're like, did Pastor Brian's family quit on him? Not yet, not yet, but it's close. Um, so as we continue in Corinthians, uh, I, this year, if you don't know, is the 25th anniversary of the release of the movie Titanic. How many people have seen Titanic? How many people regret seeing Titanic, right? I remember I took a woman who was not my wife, this is before I met her, on a date to that movie, and I had no clue what I was seeing. I was in a Bible college where we had no TVs, and the internet was like, I had like Juno email. Anybody remember that? Yeah, some of you are like, what? The movie about the girl pregnant? Nope, um, different thing. And so... We, we went and saw this movie. I have no idea what I'm watching. And, uh, and it ends, spoiler alert, the ship sinks. <laughs> okay, so I see this movie. As we leave, I am unfazed. I am a dude, and I am like, I was long, and, uh, and he's dead. <laughs> you know, that was, that was it. Like that. And the girl I was with is in the car just heaving. <gasps> That was so emotional. That was so powerful. I'm like, that was a, that was a movie. It happened, you know. And uh, I feel the same way about it now. But the truth of the story, um, the Titanic, it was, I mean, it, it's a great tragedy in the world's history. It launched from Southampton, England, April 10th, 1912 at 12 p.m. And it, at the time, was the largest ship of its kind, this massive structure that was supposed to be unsinkable, right? It could not go down. Matter of fact, so much so, it had built into the hull of the ship, it had 16 different compartments, four, uh, uh, several of which were meant for taking in water. Matter of fact, four of those compartments could fill with water before it would affect the buoyancy of the ship. So, it seemed like they were set for gold. We, this is going to be amazing. Uh, the captain of the ship uh, was considered one of the best in the world. And then, well, we all know what happened. But what's interesting is the captain and the ship, do you know they were given six warnings? Six. And he disregarded every one of them. Why? Some say he was too busy. Others say he was just so overconfident. We don't really know, you know, because he's dead. It's been a hundred plus years, so we can move past the formalities of it. And, and maybe, I, I think, 705 survivors. An unbelievable tragedy. Matter of fact, do you know their lifeboats could hold 65 people? And most of them only had 20 or 30 in each. Each lifeboat had in it a tin of like crackers and, and, and things to eat. 
and things to help them if they were stuck at sea. Nobody knew they were there, so nobody ate them. Right? This just this unbelievable when really what I would argue no matter no matter what took it down, no matter uh, what the decisions were, at some point we're like, this is just the height of arrogance that just dis- destroyed all these lives, right? And all the engineers in the room said amen. <laughs> um, and, and the thing is, the four filled up, but then it moved into two more, and it sunk the ship. It took two and a half hours to take the ship down. It took longer to sit through the movie of the Titanic <laughs> That it did for the ship to go down. There's, there's a message in there somewhere. Now, though, we look at it and we're like, it's so obvious. It's just so obvious, isn't it? Like, how could you miss all this stuff? How could you blow all this up? Six different messages saying, look out for the icebergs. Ships that went, but why? Blew it off. We're better. We know. We got it. Nothing can think this. The wisdom of the world is often found to be quite unwise. The genius of the world is often found to be foolishness if you give it enough time. And sometimes it even ends in great tragedy. And Paul begins to address this in the book of 1 Corinthians. He talks to them and begins to tell them, and they are a philosophical society. They're in a city in a region that is filled with philosophers, deep thinkers. And they thought these are the best minds of our day. And they were. And you know what? Can anybody name one? Me either. Right? Because the foolish things of the world, as we're going to read, get confounded by the wise, by the wisdom of God. And, and the wisdom of the world gets confounded even by God's foolishness. And that's a plan words. Obviously, God has no foolishness. So we're going to start in verse 18. I'm going to read from a physical Bible today. I'm really shaking it up, <laughs> right, doing all kinds of crazy things. He's got a real Bible up there. Wow. All right. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are heated for, headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it's the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. Since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom, he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for signs from heaven. It's foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those who are called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, few of you are wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think 
They're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring nothing what the world considers important. Bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. He freed us from sin. As the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. God, speak to us and have your way in this place. May your word be proclaimed, not my opinions, not our directions, but what you want and what you have to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Start right there. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who refuse it. Corinth was filled with brilliant minds. You need to know the Corinthian church was not filled with those people. They were the average ones. But they looked at the people in their society, the thinkers, as these are the great ones. These are the great minds. We should, we should listen. I, I think if they were around now, they'd be like, well, you know, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's listen to these guys. And Paul would say, no, there, there's no baby in that bathwater. They're foolish. They're not wise. They only sound wise. I remember there was a guy in high school. His name was Josh. And there was, there was this girl that, I don't know if I liked her, but she was pretty, you know, and she was nice. So I probably kind of liked her. But all the kids in, like, the theater crowd would hang out with him. I was in the theater crowd, so we weren't cool anyway. But, but they would gather around him, and he would just have these musings about whatever. And when you've met Jesus, and we're going to talk about this in a minute, the things and the musings of this world and their philosophies, they just begin to sound dumb. And I remember all these theater kids, this is, wow, listen to him. He just knows things. Wow, he's quoting Nostradamus. Yeah, so? Nostradamus got way more wrong than he got right. (laughs) Like, that's not wise. He's dead. Like, I don't get it. And just, and just people thought he was this, and you know what became of him? Not a lot. Not a lot. Why? Because the world's wisdom is not that wise. It's not that intelligent. Much like Corinth, we idolize the current notion of the day. I was like, oh, this is, this is, I, I saw a friend when it came to, and no matter what your opinion, you can have whatever opinion on the vaccines and the things of the day. That is, that is between you and the Lord, your doctor, whatever. But I remember saying, well, I got the vaccine because I'm not, I'm not an idiot. Give it a minute. <laughs> Two years ago, three years ago, and now, well, I mean, it's not working awesome. You know, I'm not saying it didn't work. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I don't know. Not a doctor. What I am saying is, what is what we are convinced is this is what will save us. Not always. Some of our wisdom is not always that wise. Right? That, that, that's just the world we're living in. And people think the message of the cross, of Jesus Christ, is foolishness. Matter of fact, modern atheists call things like the uh, sanctification and the atonement of Jesus. Atonement means he atoned for our sins. God give us his son to atone for our sin. 
when he was sinless, brilliant minds of our day, quote unquote, call that cosmic child abuse. See, they think they're geniuses. And yet, the irony is, you have no system for morality, so you can't tell us what abuse is, what love is, what good is or what evil is if you don't know Jesus you don't know what good and evil is you only think you do and it moves based on what the current notion of the day is and postmodernism has done this to us postmodernism has hijacked rational thought into believing the idea du jour This is, well, this is, I I remember it was not that long ago, I was talking with my brother, this was probably a year, maybe two or three years ago, pre-2020. And he works in a place that has a, and he's not walking with the Lord, and and he works at a place that has a lot of left-leaning people. And some of those people are are black, and, 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 and he's like, well, this is the definition of racism, what was the new definition? I had never heard it, and it's critical race theory. Which is basically means if you are white, you are privileged, therefore you are inherently racist. Even if you don't know, you're born into it, it's who you are, it's the system, etc. That's critical race theory in a very small nutshell. Now obviously it's, it's deeper and more complex than that in, in some ways. Um, but here's, like, it, you just redefine terms. And a lot of people now believe, well yes, that's what racism is now. Why? Because it's the idea du jour. You know what it, you know what it actually is? New racism. <laughs> we didn't fix it. We just moved the blame. It's the idea du jour. And so, and there's a lot of people still arguing, but there's, there's a, don't throw it all out. There's a baby in the bathwater. There's not. It's the wisdom of the world and it's foolishness. It's not life viewed through the eyes of Jesus Christ on the cross. Don't view it that way. Don't join them. It's not going to help. The Christian mindset becomes spiritual. Matter of fact, I just want you to know, every time he says spiritual in this section, he's not talking about like the way we say spiritual. We say, how many people know somebody who is not a Christian and they're like, but I'm spiritual, right? They're probably not here. <laughs> okay, yeah, oh, I'm very spiritual. And they got their crystals and several oils, incense is burning, you know, they're talking about the solstice, and you're just like, oh, great. <laughs> so good. You know, and, 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 and they're those people. They're not spiritual. That's not what they're referring to in the Bible. What he's saying here, when you are spiritual, he, what he means is you are spirit-filled. You have the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying when he's saying spiritual. So when, in these terms of the Bible, to be spiritual means to be somebody of the Holy Spirit. Okay? All right, so verse 24 and 25. His thoughts are not our thoughts. God does not think like us. Anybody say amen and that's good news. (laughs) Right? Thank God. Because there's a lot of people in traffic who I would have burned with sulfur from heaven. (laughs) Just, and I think they would have deserved it. Right? (laughs) And uh, there's been a few times I've been so mad in traffic, I would have brought him back from the dead and done it again. <laughs> like, how dare you, right? How dare you, you know? I was in the gym the other day. Oh, man. So if I'm at the gym 
I am there to get a job done, okay? I am taking down a mountain, literally, all right? Get out of my way, okay? Now, I am not a jerk. I don't yell people at I don't look. I don't judge people at the gym, okay? But there is a girl in the gym the other day, and, and I, go to, I go to a certain gym where they have like a 30-minute express section. Like, some of you know what I'm talking about. Um, but, but it's basically like, you're supposed to move through this section. That's the idea. It's on the wall. There's a rule, okay? All right? There's another rule in the gym. You don't have conversations on your phone. Now, again, I don't care if somebody has to answer a call in the gym. Here's what I do care about. She's sitting on the leg press machine doing one of these FaceTiming. And sometimes she's not even doing that. She's kind of sitting. FaceTiming with some guy. There's not a bead of sweat coming off her. There's no glisten. I move through the entire 30-minute section, except that machine, of course. And she had not moved. And she is FaceTiming. I mean, I am furious. And my wisdom would dictate that she should have her membership revoked, be marched down the street, and just publicly shamed. That's how I felt in that moment. Still kind of a little. I need to work through the forgiveness. Hang with me. All right? But just, 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 what are you doing? We are here to work and get something done. And why are you paying the money not to? Because my wisdom is wrong. My wisdom isn't good. My wisdom can hurt people. The Lord's doesn't. The Lord's wisdom is good, right? And the Lord's wisdom confronts things. And it sometimes tells us things we don't want to hear and things we need to hear. The world doesn't want to follow God by its nature. We are born with the DNA of God written in us, but we are also born with a sin nature. Both these things are true when you're born. It's actually one of the reasons many denominations do infant baptism. We don't do that because we don't believe we we don't believe God condemns infants to hell. That's why they started infant baptism, because they thought, well, these babies will go to hell if they're not baptized. We don't believe in that. We believe in a just God who knows they, even though they have a sin nature, they cannot reason. So we don't believe that. But we are born with that sin nature. Sinners don't want to know their sin. And also, religious people don't want mystery with God. Both of those things are true. We don't want to either think like God thinks that I have sin and I'm wrong, or if we're religious, we want to think I can figure God out and understand all his ways and systematize all theology. And it can't be. It just can't. When Paul's confronting this idea, and it's true for us today, we can overcomplicate all the things with God. I have watched pastors and leaders over and over go to churches and say, if you do these things, you cannot fail to other pastors. And you know what? Yes, we can. <laughs> They're not right. These, all these things don't work everywhere. One of the things I have no interest in ever being at Thrive is a campus of another church. I'd literally rather shut it down. Now, some of you may disagree with that. Some of you may like it. I have been offered from multiple other pastors multiple times to turn Thrive into a campus of another church. Why? The world's wisdom to dictate if I franchise the model, it will be successful. 
I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in advancing the kingdom of God on the earth in a local context where God asked us to be with our people and community the way God wants us to be. Now again, does that mean all campuses are wrong and evil? It does not mean that. Am I condemning them? No. Just saying that's not who God's called. And worldly wisdom would dictate, well, you could, you could make more. You could get bigger. You could have a building by now. Maybe. But let's not live by that standard. Let's live by the standard of living spiritually. If God showed up in our meeting today and said, set up for 20 more years, would we do it? He has not said that. Relax. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay? I don't believe that's going to happen. But, but, but would we? You see what I mean? What standard are we going to live by? The spirit or the flesh? The world or the spirit of God? So I have a friend, Rob, who I love very dearly. And he's a good guy. And what's interesting is he, he helped me several times in my walk. And I watched him walk away from the Lord, just systematically leave and become an atheist. And we had long discussions many times over this process. He's a scientist. And he, he's, when it comes to science, the guy's brilliant. When he started talking science, I, I don't understand what he's saying anymore. But when we have the conversations about Jesus and the Bible and the truth, it got down to it. We would, I know my stuff a little bit biblically. No, I, I'm not arrogant. I just know my stuff. And when it got down to it, he basically had to admit, well, I can't answer that. I just don't believe it anymore. And I said, well, that's the first honest thing you've said. But one of the things he said in the conversation was, well, Jesus had to die for my sin. Uh-huh. Well, that means I've sinned and done bad stuff. Uh-huh. Well, that makes me feel bad. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm tracking with you, but where are we going? And then he's like, well, I don't want to feel bad. So I don't want to believe that. That's the wisdom of the world. If it's bad, if it makes me feel bad, if it, cover, if it uncovers something in me that's wrong, if I feel shame, Brene Brown has a whole giant platform about saying how bad shame is. Not all shame is bad. If you're running naked in the streets, hide your shame. You should feel ashamed. Cover up. We don't want to see it. There is, it's not all shame, is, but we don't want to think that way. Because we want to ascend our own hill. We want to climb our own mountains. Instead of the Lord coming to us and making a way. You see what I'm, are, are you following me? Verse 27 and 28. What God made what seems foolish to us wise. You see, the idea that a Savior has to come into our midst point out that we are sinners and then save us from that sin, the truth is that's offensive to us. How many of us want to admit, I lie? I have, I have, I have cheated on somebody at least with my eyes in my heart at times. I have, I have stolen sometimes. Jesus said, if you think ill against somebody like me with the girl at the gym, you, you murdered them in his eyes. So I guess I did kill her, right? Like, like the Lord can judge my heart that fine-tuned. And I don't want to hear it. 
How many of us want to hear we are wrong? Does anybody like hearing that? And it was like, man, I just hope somebody tells me where. I think some people, some people think others, like, like some wives are convinced. They're, my husband loves hearing he's wrong. <laughs> right? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> right? Uh, guys are just, oh, it's a new day. I hope my wife tells me I'm wrong about something. <laughs> right? we, all, we all have our things. But nobody does. Nobody likes being corrected. Why? Because we're prideful. That's it. It's not complicated. We just don't like hearing we're wrong. That's sin, and it's destructive. Well, God didn't kill me. (laughs) You being dead or alive should not be the standard if God is pleased with you fully or not. Because that is a low, low bar, and you don't want to hit it. We are sinners, and the world doesn't want to hear it, and we need a Savior. And the world doesn't want to hear it so much, the, quote, greatest minds of our time are furious about it. Richard Dawkins, a very renowned atheist, this is a pretty famous quote of his. The God of the Old Testament is arguably the most unpleasant character in all fiction, Jealous and proud of it, a petty, unjust, unforgiving, control freak, a vindictive, bloodthirsty, ethnic cleanser, misogynistic, homophobic, racist, infanticidal, genocidal, philicidal, pestilential, megalomaniacal, sadomasochistic, capriciously malevolent bully, Richard Dawkins, the God delusion, considered one of the better minds of our time. What I appreciate about Dawkins is at least he's honest. He's saying out loud the things nobody really wants to say. This is what the sinner thinks of God. You need to understand something. When you and I reject Jesus Christ before we know him and after he's made himself known to him, when we reject God, we are enemies of God. He's not, he's not our enemy until we put him, until we have to come before the throne room and then make that, and God has to make the final call. Hell was designed for no man. Hell was designed for Satan and demons. But we've decided willfully to join them when we reject Jesus Christ. Dawkins is no different. He's just saying it out loud. He's just finally saying, all right, let's be honest. This is what we think. And this is the wisdom of our day. But what's funny is, he goes on to basically admit there probably is a creator of some kind. And we'll talk about that in a second. But have you noticed in our time how it's okay to question everything and everything about God, but it's never okay to be certain about anything except science? Or sexuality? That's not basically between a man and a woman in marriage. Do you notice that? It's okay to question everything, but you can't be certain. How dare you be certain? Accept science. Believe the science, which is the dumbest phrase ever because it is literally the most anti-science statement you could make. Science is research, not fact. It helps us understand facts, It gets us to laws and facts, but science itself is the practice of research. 
It's a good inversion, though, isn't it, of the wisdom of our age, making us buy it instead of what the truth of the Word of God says. Instead of the Bible being truth, science must be. Because the truth, you can't, you can't have both. One eventually inverts the other. Darwin was a guy who finally put pen to paper to try and invert God. It was a common idea in his time when he finally said it out loud. A large portion of what Darwin believed has been debunked. And yet we're still posturing that idea that there is no God. Darwin himself said, if you find more than a blob of flesh in a single-celled tissue, in, in a single cell, more than a blob of tissue in a single cell, if you find more than that, my theory is blown apart. We have blown that theory apart when we blew apart the atom. And we saw strands of protein. We understood DNA. The mathematical, poss- uh, the, 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 basically it's a mathematical impossibility for strands of protein to exist in our system, which then code into our cellular structure of DNA. For one of those to have happened by accident, any scientist who's an atheist is intellectually dishonest if they understand this. Anyone. There is a creator. There is a designer. It is evident in creation. And then we meet the Lord and we're like, there is no other explanation. This is, this is a no-brainer. And all the people who would say, well, God would never do this, and I can't worship a God who does this, and my God wouldn't do that. What I would tell you is, you are trying to understand something and explain something and reason something you cannot you're trying to contain it. It's, it's us trying to get all the chairs and all the stage pieces we own and everything in storage all in the trailer. Ask Jesse, it cannot be done. It can't be done. We cannot understand the full mind of God and reason all the things that are spiritual. And that's what happens when you come to know the Lord. You begin to realize, I now know so many more things the vast majority of people don't know And there's so much I realize I don't know. Verse 29, no one can boast in the presence of the Lord. People call Christians the arrogant. And I would tell you the arrogant aren't the Christians, not the real spiritual. The arrogant are the deniers and the rejectors. That's the real arrogant. And there again, we're not enemies to the world. God is not an enemy to the world. They are enemies to God. Do you see the difference? And it's our job to go win them. It's our job to go reach them. Paul continues in chapter 2. When I first came to you, my dear brothers and sisters, I used lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in my weakness, timid and trembling. And my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and powerful speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you wouldn't trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I'm among mature believers, I, don't speak with, I, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. His plan that, 
that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world haven't understood it. If they had, they wouldn't have crucified our glorious Lord. This is what it means when the scriptures say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit, for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit, and no one can know God's thoughts except that God's own spirit. And we've received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we don't, we do, we don't use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves can't be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things because we have the mind of Christ. He didn't come with the world's wisdom. He forgot everything but Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Current church trends that have been popular for about 25 years now are the idea of relevance, relevance, relevance. A lot of that's taken from what Paul did at Mars Hill. In Acts, he goes to a town... And, and they have a sea of gods. And there's an unknown God. And he goes to the unknown God. And he says, I know who that one is. And he uses that to say, it's Jesus, follow him. And we've made an entire system of church based on one section. But in this section of scripture, Paul does the exact opposite. He doesn't reason like they're brilliant philosophers. He says, no, 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 let's make it simple. You see, a life that's led by the Spirit knows how the people are going to hear it and live by it. I think we are in a time where the church needs to start being a little less relevant on everything because the world's idea of relevance is full-on heresy when it comes to the Bible. You can't accept Jesus Christ and live in sin. You can't. You can't say, I'm a Christian, and not follow Jesus with your life, because you're just a liar. It's not true. Saying, well, I'm a Christian. How many people know somebody says they're a Christian, and they do not follow Christ? Don't point. (laughs) Right? We all know somebody like that. They're lying. It's a deception, and the church has gone along with it too much. It's time to stop. Not in anger and rage, but in in just, let's be honest. Let's make Jesus our everything. We stand on the word. And that's what happens. When Jesus becomes our everything, everything else begins to make sense. I know people right now who are saying, you know, they've been staunch feminists And the trans movement is really messing up their worldview. Because women can no longer be defined as female. And they don't know what to do. Well, stop letting the notion of the day dictate your wisdom. You're created as a woman by the hand of God. And it is good. 
God made you that. It's awesome. It's beautiful. You're meant to be, and it's strong and good. Sex. God's sex is not between a man and a woman. God's design of sex is between a man and a woman in marriage. See the difference? When we keep covenant, God protects it. The world only makes sense when Jesus is Lord of it. Your view of everything about your life won't make sense without Jesus Christ. It just won't. And when you start living that way, you are living by the Holy Spirit. When you live by the Spirit of God, everything starts to uh, begin to have understanding. This is where I go. This is why I do what I do. Life now has form and function. This is why I keep covenant and why I don't bail on marriage. Because I didn't make this covenant just with this person, but with the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he wants this covenant kept for greater things than just her and me. More is at stake. More is at stake to raise my kids in a godly way than just, well, I have a preference for this. Christianity is not my preference because it's not easy. If it were easy, we'd be full to the back of the gym. You're here. And a lot of you are here, and you know what? This isn't easy. It wasn't easy to get up this morning. It wasn't easy to come here to get the kids in the car. But you believe something. You believe and you know something so many people don't know and don't see. When you view the world through the spiritual eyes, through the eyes of the Holy Spirit, you are seeing the world for the first time in its reality. And for all the people who don't have that, that's why we call them blind. I was blind, but now I see. We see because Jesus Christ, and once we start seeing, it starts becoming plain. Verses 10 through 16, the Spirit shows us deep secrets. It's one of the reasons I prefer line-by-line preaching versus topical, because I just want the, the Word of God to teach. I don't want it to be my ideas. He, he's got great ideas. They're better than mine always. Right? He starts showing us deeper things of what's really happening. You know, think of some people who are like, oh, yeah, my, my, my sister or my brother are sharing Christ about me. And you're like, when you have spiritual eyes, you're like, God's moving in their life. He's trying to get a hold of them. But they're just like, I don't know, they're just bugging me. Right? And we're like, no, 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 no. Something's happening. I can see it. Because we see through the spiritual lens. And some of us, when it's a hard thing, we know this is demonic. This is the enemy coming against my family, against my beliefs, against my life, against this assignment God's put me on. We know because we see the reality, because we see in the spiritual and not just the natural anymore. But you can't be spiritual without Jesus. You can be demonic, but you can't be spiritual. If you know somebody who's like, well, I'm, they're spiritual. They're just, I don't know if they're Christian, but they're spiritual. No, they're demonic. No, no, no. I mean, they, 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 you know, they, they talk and they pray. No, no, no. There are two sides to the kingdom, the spiritual kingdom. 
the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. There's only two. You say, well, are they a Christian? Well, I don't know. You, then you know. Most of the time, then you know. They're walking with Jesus or they aren't. Here and there takes a minute. But you're like, well, how have you known them? Well, seven years. <laughs> You'd know. that If they're walking with Jesus, you should know. And if they're not, but they're spiritual, it's not the spirits you want to hang out with. See the world through the lens of the spirit. That's not to condemn them. That's to say to point them to the truth. Point them to Jesus. Give them the good news. You see, and they don't. Help them see. And eventually, we start seeing that it's plain. That this is, this is reality. The spiritual life is the real life. And you're either spiritually alive or you're spiritually dead. We can see that God is moving and trying to tear the veil off of the eyes of people and make himself known. He is showing off. Two weeks ago, right, right in the middle of a football game, we saw a man in the prime of his life, for reasons unknown, drop to the ground. And both teams came around, and what did they do? They prayed. And you know what you didn't hear? You didn't hear, oh, oh, you can't do that. Stop. What are you doing? You know, you know why? Because in this moment, you can't pass legislation to save that man. You can't vote in somebody else to fix that. Only one thing can happen. You can only call on the name. And that's what began to happen. And and what's funny, Joe Buck, who is the worst announcer in the history of all things ever, okay, he refused to say it. He's like, oh, it looks like they're saying positive things there. Refusing to say the word prayer. Okay, so that happens. So he collapses. Team prays. Nobody says anything, but yep, let's pray. Then within a few days on ESPN, on national TV, worldwide TV, he prays. Damar Hamlin wakes up. By the way, Damar Hamlin's number. Number three. And the next week, on the opening kickoff, the Buffalo Bills run it back on the opening kickoff, run it back for a touchdown. Mar Hamlin's number, number three. The next week, it's been three months and three days, three years and three days since a touchdown was ran back for the Buffalo Bills. And the player's walking around and he's saying it on the news and he's saying it to the media, God is real. And his name is Jesus Christ. We know it. We know what's true. And the world knows. We want to deny it. We want to reject it. We want to be angry about it until it's just obvious. There is no other answer and the world makes no sense without the Creator, without the Lord Jesus Christ, without the Father. The world makes no sense. But in him, everything makes sense. You have that. If you know him, you have that. The world makes sense. If you're like, what, well, I'm going through hell. Right. But you know there's a purpose. You know there's a plan. You know there's an end to the story. And the end is not your failure and your fallout. If you die, it ain't the end. We win. 
we win. He is the victor. And I don't have to just look at Revelation and see the end, although he wins there. I can look back to Calvary. I can look back to Easter. I can look back to Sunday. The reason we meet on a Sunday is because the first church said, this is when our Savior rose. This is when we're going to worship. You are here today because he won. We are here today because he won. You win. See the world through a different lens. What if it doesn't work out? What if it's a failure? Look up. I look to the hills. Where does my redemption come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10.